welcome and thanks for joining us. Uh, joined by former Illini star Brandon Paul and do-it-all swingman Bill Cole. I'm Sam Maniscalco. You are once again tuned into another episode of Champagne Room Hoops podcast brought to you by the good folks at New Amendment. Uh, tons of stuff on the docket today. Uh, before we dive into it, uh, Brandon, what's up? Tell everybody what's been going on with you lately. Uh, I'm, I'm out here in uh, Germany. You know, I just got back from Hamburg on a road trip. Uh, we won a good game on the road, and you know, I'm, I'm new for I'm new to this team, so I've been here about a month now. Uh, I showed up about mid December, and uh, I'm enjoying it. It's a young team. Uh, it's the first time in my professional career that I'm pretty much the oldest guy on the team. You know, there's just three other guys my age, or two other guys my age at, at 31, and uh, we got a young squad, man. We got a couple guys that are, uh, you know, future NBA prospects. Um, 18-year-old point guard who's who spent a lot of time in Madrid, Real Madrid. Um, you know, it's, it's a new situation for me and uh, it's a new challenge, but I've been I've been excited to be here. It's been fun. And what year is this for you now as a pro? Man, this is your time. This is your time, man. And uh, every year I, I start to think about when I'm going to start, you know, closing that door. Uh, I really don't know. Uh, it could be next year. It could be three years, four years, five years. We'll see. But, you know, I'm just trying to enjoy it as I can, you know. That's good stuff, man. Do it as long as you can. Bill Bill did it for a year. I don't know if you have the numbers he had in, in England, but. <laughs> uh, I didn't know where. Highlights, too, we can bring I didn't know we were going like, there. Yo. I signed. I literally, my first, obviously, you know, we lost to Kansas in the tournament, and I signed, and that was the summer that the NBA lockout was still going on. That was, like, the, I think the last lockout they had. And, you know, we only get two Americans on a team. And my agent called me back like two weeks after I signed and was like, hey, your other uh, American is Meta World Peace. And so Ron Artest was just supposed to be like, <laughs> that was like my intro to overseas basketball, but he never uh, he never ended up showing up. But that's for a different day, for sure. That's good stuff, man. Memories for a lifetime. Uh, all right, let's tip it off. So um, last time we talked was uh post north northwestern um bill and i had talked a lot about um potentially rock bottom for illinois basketball uh last time you were on brandon obviously the um the line were rolling um had just had a huge win over texas and whatnot um kind of did a 180 since then uh had a tough tough loss for northwestern the other night so we talked about how they're going to bounce back right um underwood there was a lot of stuff in the media the last few days um, this team started off 0-3 in the Big Ten. Pretty much a must-win for uh, for the Illini at home. Got some home cooking versus Wisconsin. And I was very impressed and pleased with what I saw. First of all, huge. There's you, you, When you're wondering if you're at rock bottom, you need like a little good luck sometimes. I think that little nugget of good luck, Tyler Wall was out for the Badgers. I don't think you can... I think that was not just a little nugget of good luck. Like he's he is that Wisconsin guy that is like Sam Decker, Frank Kaminsky. They they pull a new one out of their pocket every year. And so for for Illinois to have that must win game and to have it be at home and to have their leading scorer out, um, their everything guy, um, I think that was perfect. And then Sam, I saw a lot of the stuff that we talked about post Northwestern, right? Not to like say we called it, but. Underwood immediately cut out all of the motion and the dribble handoffs. No, we, we called it. Yeah, it, he, it seemed like everything came out of a set. There was no off the dribble shooting. Uh, the shot selection went from like an F to an A immediately. And then what do you know? You you beat the first place uh, Wisconsin team by ten at home. So 
I mean, a lot of what we, you know, Brad obviously saw a lot of what we saw. Um, I, I would like to have the statisticians tell me when, when was the last time that last place in conference was seven and a half point favorites over first place yeah. in conference, uh, you know, that many games into a conference season. So it was, Illinois was favored. There's, I don't think there's anyone in the world that doesn't think we don't have a ton of talent and can win any game that, that they get into. It's just a matter of, right. It's like, is Terrence Shannon going to show up like he showed up every game? Because uh, I thought he took that game by the scruff of the neck in the first half. Um, and then Coleman Hawkins, obviously, second half, huge threes. So a lot of the – I'm interested to hear your guys' thoughts, but I thought a lot of those adjustments we talked about he made immediately and it instantly turned into a win. Yeah, I mean, I know you guys talked about Brandon, the Northwestern game. Yeah, I know you guys talked about the Northwestern game. Uh, it was hard to watch. Obviously, you know – we know that they could play better than they played. And uh, speaking of rock bottom, I mean, the shot selection was was horrible. It just, as the game progressed, it just seemed to get from bad to worse. And uh, coming into this game was much better. Like you guys said, um, the offense was much better. Half the time I'm watching, I don't know what they're running. It kind of just seems like they're doing a dribble weave type of situation and not really getting much out of it. And you get to a, a spot where guys are just kind of looking for their last second shots, you know, with six, seven seconds left on the shot clock. Um, this game was a lot different. And Terrence Shannon, he kind of turned it up, went back to the player that he is, which is getting downhill, getting to the basket, getting to the free throw line, you know, finishing with 20-some points. And uh, the last game, he only had two free throws, and those came in the last minute of the game. So uh, you can tell how much of a different team it is when they kind of get back to their roots. And, you know, Coleman Hawkins went from – being a guy that has the most shot fakes in Big Ten history to just letting it, letting yeah. it fly, you know? They finally and shot when he the lets ball. It fly, yeah. When he lets it fly, it's a different story. He's a different player, and uh, I think he plays a lot with a lot more confidence when he's not thinking too much about it. Yeah, Brandon, that's a great point. Um, you know, my overall, what I take away from the Wisconsin game, and, and Bill mentioned it, is I just think they play with a lot more conviction, a lot more decisiveness. Um they seemed more together. And obviously, I played co close attention uh, to Underwood. Uh, he was like a completely different coach as far as demeanor goes mm -hmm. from Northwestern to Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And obviously, a lot of that had to do with the media and some of his players' comments over the last few days. Um, you know, they were in a foxhole. So um, I just think they, they were so much more together. Uh, they were so much more decisive. They played with purpose. They played with passion. Obviously, they cleaned up, um, you know, some things offensively and defensively. But I just think overall, um, they just looked like a unit. And they hadn't looked like a unit in a together yeah. team in quite some time. Um, and, and that was just very evident from the jump. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know, Bill, if you still want to get back into the game. Sam Decker and Jordan Taylor are both playing on the same team in London. So, you know, you got oh, some God. context over there. If you, if you want to jump back into it, man, you know, relive yeah. the glory days. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't think I played against Sam Decker. Uh, John Luer, though, is, you know, my exact year and matchup. And, I mean, he's had – we all know about his NBA career. And then Jordan Taylor, he's, like, probably – him and Devin Harris, you think about Wisconsin point guards. Um, I don't know. I thought Wisconsin did not look great to me. I know a lot of that. Illinois' defense is pretty much elite. Uh, even Underwood will say that as much as – almost every struggle they have is on offense. But um, – I think, you know, with Wall being out, the they just did not look great to me for someone that was first place in conference at this stage. It'll be interesting to see where their season goes from this point forward, especially if that injury's uh, nagging for, for Wall moving forward. 
Let's dive a little bit now and into the X's and O's. Bill, you mentioned it a little bit. Um, you know, defensively they were better, offensively they're in sets, and, and those are my two biggest takeaways, um, which we talked about last time. Is and Brandon, you mentioned it a little bit ago. Uh, it was kind of it's been this helter skelter offense uh, over the past handful of games where um, they're not getting in anything, they're not getting in their actions. It's kind of just you know putting their head down and, and trying to make something out of nothing, especially late in the shot clock. Um, but they just seem so much more in tune offensively. They ran their actions, and not only um, did they run their actions, they countered off it too. And I thought a lot of times in the game, uh, they played through Dane Danger, especially early. And when he gets a touch, he's a good enough passer and got a high enough basketball IQ uh, where that opens things up. He had a couple times where they went side top side, uh, and Jaden yeah. got a you know a wide open three, or they got good, better, high percentage looks. Uh, and that when when that happens throughout the game, that opens up everything else. I love when you say that about Dane Danger because. You know, I'm no coach, but when he's on the floor, the the game is different. You know, he, I feel like they should play through him. Like you said, inside out, he's so polished offensively that he knows the right breeds to make. Uh, he knows how to spin off his off his man. He knows how to skip the pass, change sides, and um, oh, he seems to always be at the right place at the right time. You know, just running the floor, uh, defensive rebounds, offensive rebounds, giving him extra possessions. Um, we say he's such a polished player that. Uh, they definitely could use them more inside their offense. Yeah, I thought it was uh, another thing. I thought was really interesting was I don't think Matt Meyer had a basket in the first half. Um, you would have you would have gave me a bet to take that Illinois was going to win without him getting a, a, a field goal in the first half. I probably would have uh, bet bet the house on Wisconsin. But you know he kind of he brings so much to the team regardless of when he when he's scoring or when he's not. And then you saw in the second half, it's like they have to pay attention to him. He hit a big three kind of right kicked off that run with all those Coleman Hawkins threes uh, Coleman Hawkins threes so the 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 experiment we were talking about last week Sam with like everyone figuring out their roles I you definitely feel like everyone maybe you know I don't want to get the cart ahead of the horse we'll see with Nebraska but you start to feel like they're this is the point in the season where you come a little more comfortable all the freshmen are you know starting to figure out what Underwood wants what he doesn't want uh, they're starting to figure out where, you know, where is Sam going to be when I throw it here? Where is Brandon going to be when I throw it here? Um, so they're, they've taken that first step here. Um, and I just think the next two games are really what's going to make or break the season, you know? Yeah, that's a good point, Bill. I actually have a note about that regarding uh, Meyer. Is he didn't have a field goal attempt in the first half, like you said. And I, and I noticed at the start of the second half, Underwood literally ran two cross screens to get him the ball on the block and just get it in his hands. Right. And then, you know, he has a good second half. So that's the decisiveness. And obviously they, they looked at it. And, you know, I talked last time about, you know, I'm not a big equal opportunity guy. Um, and if you look at the stat sheet, I mean, Coleman Hawkins and Terrence Shannon took, you know, took the most field goals in the game. And that's how it should be. Um, when I was playing, like Brandon was our best player. Brandon should have had the ball and probably taken the most shots every game. Um, that's just, I mean, I think your best players should be put in positions to be successful. And it looks like they did, um, that staff did a much better job of doing that for these guys. And it helps them, right? Like these guys are struggling. Uh, Terrence Shannon Jr. is coming off a, a terrible game at Northwestern. Put him in a position to get some easy baskets, uh, get a rhythm going, maybe get him to the free throw line and whatnot. Um, that kind of stuff matters at, at the college basketball level. He's a streaky shooter. You know, if I'm guarding him, I'm letting him shoot. I'm making him honest from outside and I think once he realizes his strengths more and he stops settling for the three 
it'll take his game to a whole nother level. And he did that in the Wisconsin game, starting early. His first couple buckets were inside the three-point line. Uh, then he worked his way out. But, you know, when he's when he's going downhill, when he's attacking to his left, you know, even, you know, teams try to force him right, he's still going to get back to his left. He's that type of player uh, with, a, with a great frame to, to be able to do what he wants on the floor. And uh, like you said, when guys figured out their roles, you know, you know, Jaden comes in the game and he's 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 very polished offensively. You know, he knows how to his biggest spots. He knows when to shoot the ball, and he's shooting with a lot more confidence. And Cecilia Harrison in the game, he knows he's got to be a dog. He's got to be a dog defensively. He changed the game. He changed the energy of the building, and, and fans can't wait until he you know he's on ball and, he, and he's getting everybody excited for the next possession. Uh, once guys figure out the roles. And uh, it's not an equal opportunity game. You can't, you know, just like coaches say, you can't make everybody happy. But, you know, once you win games, everybody will be happy. And, and once guys know the roles, things fall in place. Coleman Hawkins, um, he's got a beautiful jump shot, right? He's 6'10", he's athletic. I think he, last night was the first time we really saw him comfortable. Somebody must have got to him, whether it was Underwood or, or the coaching staff, they must have sat him down and said, listen, stop being indecisive, stop hesitating catch the ball and shoot it. Because I'm sure in practice, when they do their shooting drills and stuff and after practice, I mean, he's got a beautiful jumper. Um, mm-hmm. It's smooth, it's effortless, um, and obviously he can make it. So somebody got to him, it was very evident on a lot of his pick and pops, he was catching the ball and he was just firing it. And that's a role for him. I mean, Dane Dange is going to eat up the paint. Coleman Hawkins is athletic enough. He's a good enough passer to where he can play that point forward role. And if he can shoot the ball like that, in simple pip and pops, pick and pop situations, I mean that that could change their offense tremendously too. So it was very evident to me that somebody told him, "Hey, listen, stop thinking about it. Catch the ball. Don't overcomplicate it. Catch it and let it let it fly." Too yeah, much, Hawkins is amazing because he he's like pure positionless basketball, right? Like I think Brad uses him almost to put the onus on Wisconsin, right? They're like he can pl- he played the five for over half the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, Danger only had 20 some minutes. Um, and so you think about like they were running that one four low with Coleman at the high post. And I thought that eight Wisconsin up. I thought Wisconsin struggled. And then uh, Brandon touched on it earlier, which was what, why I was so like antsy to interrupt you, Sam. I was like, I can't believe we've, I've gone this far without mentioning Epps name because how far, I mean, how long ago was it since we've had a freshman where we're like, this, this dude could be a player of the year candidate in two or three years? I think that's like, that wouldn't shock me at all. He is that polished of a scorer. Um, and then for him and, and Sincere to do the job they did, um, obviously Clark was out as his first absence, um, and they came in. I didn't see one ball handling issue. I didn't see one issue getting into sets. Um, so that was pretty big job by two big-time freshmen to kind of, especially with you know when it felt like the, the sky was falling down after the last couple of results, to get them in their sets and, and get open looks and then you know knock them down. I think I – think, uh, you know, Epps was, you know, nine, what, 15, 19 points, something like that. But he's he's averaging that as a freshman. He's not even getting a ton of minutes yet. So he's going to be really good down the road. Yeah, I think Illini fans can 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 crawl back off that ledge now after after that Wisconsin game. They, <laughs> I think they saw what they needed to see, a great response, typical of a Brad Underwood team like we've talked about. Um, just, you know, tough-nosed, hard basketball uh, that they've been preaching, especially after that that bad Northwestern loss. So um, things are looking up as far as that goes. So that moves us on. Let's uh, let's do a little scouting report. Nebraska coming up next. So if you look back earlier in the season uh, when we were on, we were talking about that big win 
uh, over Texas early in the season and, and talked about that Penn State game coming up. It reminds me of the situation a little bit of that where you have a big emotional win like they just had versus Wisconsin and then you go to a Nebraska team and no knock on Nebraska, but they're not Michigan State. They're not Wisconsin. They're not Indiana. They don't have the name that, you know, all of us have played in the Big Ten. When we played against Nebraska, yeah. we didn't think of it the same way as we thought we were playing against. And that kind of reminds me of that Penn State game a, f- a few uh, a few weeks ago where they laid an egg. Yeah, I'd never, I've yeah. never played against Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, no, that's were, right. I don't think they were in the Big Ten at that point. But, oh, you know, so I'm the only like, one that played against Nebraska. Fact check. All right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, Either way, true. You, I mean, you get my point. For sure. It's not yeah, Michigan you, State, but go ahead. It's the same as, like you said, the Penn State game. Those those games are dangerous games because these teams come in and there's not really pressure on these teams because it's like, oh, Illinois is coming. Are you coming to Illinois to play? And, you know, they're expected to win the game, but now you have an extra added motivation. So you can't – the worst thing you could do – as a, as a high-level team is played out in your competition, which tends to happen. And uh, so I think the, the best thing for them to do is is to, to come into this with the same mindset as they came into the Wisconsin game, which is they, they're desperate for a win. You know, these are they, – they dropped a few already, and these are the type of games where you have to win these games. You know, you, you, you got to steal some on the road, and you got to win the games you're supposed to win. And Nebraska is, is obviously a team that you're, you're supposed to win, and, uh, you know, they're not going to just hand them the game. Yeah, you're, you're you're dead on it. This is all a mentality here. It's like how how well can you control your feelings after finally taking that deep like that deep relief breath after getting off the you know getting the monkey off the back in the Big Ten. So um, for me, it's not it's not even as much about you know what they're doing on the floor as it is like what's their temperament like, what's their energy level like. Are they just thinking they're going to roll over Nebraska and looking ahead to Michigan State? I doubt it. That's not the type of staff that they have there. They'll be locked in, uh, but they absolutely have to get get these next two. I was just going to say, I don't, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, your comment about Underwood and how he was a little bit more composed in the last game. Uh, I can see him kind of reverting back this game if they don't start off the game how they're supposed to start off the game. And it, it's funny, right. you know, playing a year for so many years, uh, I'm used to that type of behavior where coaches are just kind of. Uh, level 100 from start to finish, you know, but the score could be zero to zero and the coach is on the side going berserk. So uh, I feel like we might see something from him. I would love, I would love to hate to have him mic'd up one of these games, but I don't think any <laughs> network would, would allow that. Uh, but, you know, you know, I think he'll, he'll get the team ready to go for sure. Yeah. And I think, I think with him, you know, he's not going to change who he is, right? I mean, he's been successful for a long time at this level with a certain style of coaching um, that he exemplifies. Uh, but I think what a good coach does is they adapt to their team, mm-hmm. especially throughout a marathon of a season like this when you go through these ups and downs. And I think this last you know, situation from Northwestern to Wisconsin is a sign of a good coach that, hey, listen, I need to adapt to my team a little bit here. They're down... Um, we've been down in the trenches and we've had some tough losses. Maybe they're in a little bit of an emotional state. Let's pick them up here and, and maybe coach them a different way and, and try to get the best out of them. Cause that's what he's trying to do, right? Every single game on every single night, he's trying to maximize his player's ability and get the absolute best out of them. So, um, I don't think he has to change his coaching style and turn into Brad Underwood 2.0. Um, I think he's learning his team still as well. You know, we talked about it all year, how, how these guys are still role defining and stuff. And, um, He's still learning his team. So, and my biggest thing 
which Bill, you talked about coming up versus, versus Nebraska on the road is we talked about a shortened rotation, right? We talked about we'd like to see him play seven or eight guys and ride with those guys. Um, and that's pretty much for the most part what he did for with Wisconsin. He had a defined rotation, which I think allowed his team to get more comfortable and get into a rhythm. Um, and I would like to see them stick with that. Um, you know, when you go on the road in a trap game, like we talked about, uh, with emotions are high, uh, at Nebraska probably won't be the greatest atmosphere. So they're going to have to find kind of their own motivation and find a way to get up for that game. Um, but I think, I think Underwood did a great job of, of transitioning from one emotional state on, on a bad loss versus Northwestern to, to Wisconsin. Let's, so let's see if he can do that. Yeah. Versus Nebraska. And I was just going to jump in and say, I don't know that that Northwestern loss will, like looking back at the end of the conference season, will that even be a bad loss? They just beat Indiana as we're starting recording at Indiana. Uh, they could be a tournament team come the end of the year. Uh, Missouri, as bad as they whooped us in the rivalry game, like they they're probably a tournament team. Um, and so if you if you can start to piece together like and just kind of put the brakes on the skid and, and get a few more wins and get respectable, Sam, we told we said this last like. They've done the Big Ten championships, right? They need a they need to run in March, like for Underwood's legacy right now. I mean, he doesn't need it. He's a, a hell of a coach, but they, everyone wants a March run. They don't the Big Ten title. If it happens, great. If it doesn't, um, like let's gear up and get ready for postseason play. And I agree with that, Bill. What you just said about I'll disagree on the Underwood legacy thing. No, I I don't think he needs it. But I think as far as his tenure at Illinois. And you can kind of see this in his his post game pressers, where he's he's not hitting the panic button. And I think it's because what you just said and what we've talked about is that this team is a team that's talented enough, and they're built for February and March. To like you said, if they finish fourth or fifth in the Big Ten, okay, so be it. But they're a team that's dangerous enough and talented enough to where they can make a run, you know, in the NCAA yeah. tournament. So I, I think yeah. his demeanor, kind of, and his his even keeledness. Saying, you know, comments like, you know, we're going to be really good. We got a chance to be really good, even after losses and stuff like that, where that's that's him telling me that he knows this team's potential is through the roof come March. Yeah, and I think having that shortened roster is going to help down the stretch because you got guys like uh, Ty Rogers that might need a little bit more time on the bench to kind of compose himself, you know, because I'm such a big fan of his game. He comes in with a lot of energy. Uh, you know, he, he, he's, he's, a, he's an exciting player, but he, he doesn't always know when to go. You know, he kind of goes in and he's, he's, he's at 100% all the time, maybe not taking the right shots, maybe not making the right reads. And sometimes if a guy sits long enough, he's like, he gets to read the game, he gets to watch and see what's going on and, and learn from his teammates, learn from watching Phil. And, and, and that'll help down the stretch when you, when you get to March and, and you need extra bodies in there. Yeah, and sp- speaking of short and rotation, um, let's transition now to to a segment, Word on Campus. Last time we were on, there was some breaking news that was just fresh um, off the internet, was that Sky Clark, you know, their, their former five-star recruit uh, who has started 12 of their 14 games this season thus far, um, was taking a leave of absence from the Illinois basketball program. Um, at first, uh, we didn't want to speculate. We didn't know all the details on it. Um, a lot of, of people, including us, um, immediately assumed that he was entering the transfer portal because we've talked about how crazy that transfer portal is now. Um, 
So what we know now is that Sky Clark is taking a personal um, leave of absence from the team, um, and he's putting his family and his health first. Um, Brad Underwood has come out and supported him fully, um, as has the entire Illinois basketball program. So uh, we hope everything is okay with Sky. We don't know what is uh, to come uh, and what the future holds. Um, but we hope everything's okay with Sky, his family. And um, I think it's good that, you know, from a player's perspective, you see, uh, you know, Brad Underwood coming out with a statement and the program still supporting him. Yeah, I mean, you, as a player, you never know. There's there's so much going on besides basketball. You know, there's so much going on that other people don't know. I almost I almost had a field day on Twitter the other day, just going at people that were just, just, just idiots. You don't, you don't know shit about shit. You know, you just... You're speculating, oh, what's he going to do? I, I I need to know more. I deserve this information. You don't deserve shit. Let this kid be. This kid's 18, 19 years old. He's he's trying to figure out whatever he's trying to figure out. And I, I got another take that might not be so popular within the Illini fans, which is, uh, you know, what if he does enter the traffic report eventually? You know, we never know why he might do that. This is his decision. Obviously, we want him to stay. Obviously, the Illini fans want him to stay. I would love to see him finish his career as an Illini but, you know, being a player myself, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on that sometimes other people don't need to necessarily know. You know, this is his livelihood. And, you know, whatever is going on with him, you know, I wish him all the best. Keep him in your prayers. And, you know, we'll see how it unfolds. But sometimes fans, you know, I love fans. They, they, they make the game. Sometimes you just need to sit back and just keep your mouth shut, you know. Right. Um, my, my thoughts are, like, one, Sam, what you said, right? Underwoods came out and said – He's still a valued member of the program, so it makes it makes it seem like it. You know, it's not something where he's just like I'm. You know, I tried it here, I didn't like it. I'm jumping in the portal, right? This is obviously something he's come out. Maybe it's a mental health thing. I think, uh, and to to agree with both of you, what Brandon just said, I don't think the average human has any idea the kind of pressure that is on these kids. Uh, this is a freshman. You know, he's probably you know 18, 19 years old. Can't even get into the bars yet at U of I. Like he's from LA. Yeah. He has, you know, probably has no family here. Me and Brandon, we went through it too. And, you know, we're, we're from an hour and two and a half hours down the road. We have family coming to every game. Like, I think mm -hmm. you need to, when you're an Illinois fan or you're just a fan of basketball in general, you need to start giving these kids a little grace. You know, social media is, is everywhere now. They can hardly get home and, and just shut it all off and do homework for an hour. So, I mean, I'm going to keep waiting to just, even speculate besides anything what you guys already said which is just like hey all the best to him and whatever his decision is whether it's leaving the program whether it's taking an extended absence and coming back uh once he feels right but um you know just all the best to sky clark he's a phenomenal player great great perspective uh from both of you guys there regarding that situation I agree with all that, Bill, except for the part about the bar. I mean, I think at any college you can get into the bar age 15. So, you know, but they. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I was never in the bar. <laughs> I, yeah, you, you're right. I, me neither. I just, I waited yeah. until my 21st birthday. That was my yes. first drink ever. Yeah, that was like the time where um, Bruce came into the uh, film session and some one of our team members, we'll, we'll leave names out of it, was actually behind the bar bartending all night. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, he said, not only were you not supposed to be in the bars, but you're definitely not supposed to be actually like bartending the student bars. <laughs> Serving drinks. Oh, that's good stuff. 
I don't. I mean, I, when I was my my year, I did at Illinois. I was I was like like I said, like thirty. I was, I was like, bro, I was like thirty years old. Yeah, uh, bro. I don't think I left the bars. Doesn't yeah, mean I was always drinking alcohol, but I, I was I was at the bars. Yeah, I think our trainer Al was like giving you treatment while you were you know you had two girls on each arm, and he was like he was oh, trying to get gosh. he was trying to get your ankle right for the uh, the next game at cams. Yeah. You had blue guys on your Gatorade bottle for sure in practice, so you were good to go. <laughs> I think that's a wrap. What else is? What else do we have to talk about? Yeah, you guys got anything? Tip off X and O Sky Report word on campus. I don't think so. I want to. All right, so uh, we recapped Northwestern. Are we good? Give us a random story. Brandon, give us a random story about your... uh, Otherwise, I can close it out. All right, Brandon. Yeah, Brandon. I feel like we should do. I feel like we should do like a Wayne McLean segment. Like one. one, Oh my gosh! My my favorite coach of all time, Peoria legend. I want to hear Brandon. I want to hear Brandon come up with one off the top of his head. Top of my head, easy. I have. Oh my gosh! There's there's so many. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you keep that one, Sam. I'm gonna give this one. uh, One day we were we were shoot around and we were at the assembly hall, and Myers is, you know. I don't even know if I told this. I might have told the story, but Myers is punting the ball at as high as he can to try to hit this, you know, <laughs> to hit the ceiling door or whatever. He's just kicking the ball. And every time he kicks it, it's going higher and higher. Kofi McClain walks in. Myers, the fuck are you doing? And we're just, he just, he says, take off. He just makes Myers run up and down the bleachers for like, the first entire part of shoot around, Myers just running all the way to the top, touching it, section one hundred two, coming back down, and it's just amazing uh, the stuff that the stuff that used to come out of his mouth, man. Rest in peace to that, the go. That sounds like a, a Myers moment, for sure, man. That, that was unbelievable. He just kicked like I didn't. I think I walked in while he was kicking the ball, and I didn't. I just like if I tell him to stop, I'm just gonna look like an idiot because he's not gonna stop. I'm gonna let the coaches do whatever they want to do. And it just so happened that Coach McClain was the first one that walked in. And he just, he just, he, I think the first thing you saw was a ball coming down. So you can imagine his first thought, <laughs> why is there a basketball falling from the ceiling? And then Myers gets it back uh, and he just punts it. Oh my God, it was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah, and for those watching, um, Wayne McClain, obviously, Bill said Peoria legend, Illinois legend. Um, but he, he was the one on the staff that you knew, like when somebody screwed up, or something was coming, like you you knew when something was coming from Coach McLean, and not only did you know it was coming, like I was actually, and I remember like me and DJ one time were laughing so hard, I was actually like ready and couldn't wait to see how he'd explode and what kind of rant he would go on next. Um, it was just, it was like, it was almost like musty. Talk about somebody that should have been mic'd up. I mean, I shouldn't say should have been. I don't know if he. Some some things would have had have been edited out, but like that oh would be all time classic, like mic'd up coach right there. Those those some of those practices. It was, it was really it was fear. It was real fear for you. Like yes, I'm 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 thinking about when I left college and like the the year where a bunch of players got in trouble, they were arrested and doing this that and the third. That would have never happened with under under Wayne McClain's era, bro. Like there was an actual fear. 
if I do this, maybe I don't get caught. Maybe they don't find out. But the fear of them actually finding out, not that, if the fear of him actually finding out if I did something I shouldn't yeah. have done was just too much. You know, I, it's just one of those, like, you always feel like someone's watching you. Like, he's always watching. Like, you know, he had, he had people at the bars. He had people coming to class chat. You know, he, there was no escaping it. So there was a real fear. But, you know, it did help you kind of mature to a man because you realize that, you know, you can't get away with some of this stuff right now. You're not going to get away with some of this stuff in life. So. You know, it was it was it was too far. Oh, yeah. We got to learn a lot from him for sure. Yeah, you said the class check thing. Like, no one will ever know the fear of God. Like someone who goes to class ninety nine out of a hundred times, but that that hundredth time when you're like, oh, just I'm gonna I'm gonna stay home today, and you were supposed to go to class, and then all of a sudden Wayne McLean's name pops up, your phone starts vibrating <laughs> like five minutes after your phone. That was the scariest. I, people used to sprint out of their apartments to whatever class they were supposed oh to be in. Oh, my God. A hundred miles an hour. He also told me one time, like, my freshman year, you know, we, we go on an overseas trip. The official season starts off. I walked in with a literal, like, the most plain wristband you could ever have in your life. Like, I'm three steps on the floor before practice. He goes, Billy, what the fuck are you doing? Who do you think you are? Are you D. Brown? Do you think you're D. Brown? Take that shit off. You don't wear that. You don't wear that. And I'm like, dude, I was like, it's a wristband. I was like, it's a wristband. What are you talking? I was like, I was, I was so confused. I, I thought he was joking. He was dead serious. He was a hundred percent serious. Take oh the wristband God. off. You're not D Brown. That was like my entry week into uh, Illinois basketball. Did you ever put a wristband on again? Never. Absolutely Didn't even not. attempt Absolutely it. Absolutely not. The best part is when he, he'll start going off and he knows he's being funny, but it's not even like he's trying to be funny. Oh, he knows oh, yeah. he's being funny and he'll just keep going. No. And uh, I, I need, I, I don't know, man. I need a story, Seven. You got to give me a story. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll save the, the Wayne McLean story for the next pod. So okay, okay. Uh, yeah, we're I'm coming with some heat. Out. I'm coming with some Wayne McLean. We heat got plenty more. We got we got to we got to keep it season long. So uh, <laughs> absolutely. Brandon and, and Bill, uh, thanks for joining. Um, thanks for joining Champagne Room um, podcast. Obviously, um, Illinois fans, hang in there with this team. Um, they're going to go through some ups and downs. Uh, we talked about that in the beginning of the year. Um, it's going to be an up and down season. The Big Ten's a grueling season. They're talented. Um, so hang in there with this team. I think their best basketball uh, is still ahead of them. Um, there's still going to be some ups and downs, but I, I think if there's a guy to trust with a group of, of, of guys like this, with this kind of turmoil they're going through right now, um, it's Brad Underwood and that staff. So Illini fans, hang in there. Again, Brandon and Bill, uh, thanks for joining. Um, we'll check back next week with you guys. Go Illini. Beyond the Big Ten is a network of podcasts that aims to be your go-to resource for all things Big Ten. We cover the entire conference with shows hosted by ex-players and athletic alumni, aiming to be your go-to source of information and entertainment for your favorite team. Hosted by ex-Big Ten players, media, and insiders, our podcasts are focused on giving diehard fans and those alums an inside scoop about the teams and people that make the Big Ten Conference one of the most watched and most talked about conferences in sports. We're excited to talk Big Ten basketball with you wherever you may be. Subscribe now. 